Welcome to Bitcoin Fixes This, where we explore the impact that Bitcoin will have in all aspects of society. Today's guest is Lauren Siegel, an actress, model, screenwriter, and former professional beach volleyball player. We talk about community, her journey into Bitcoin, the fiat mindset, and the trap of materialism. Lauren also tells us about how her mentality changed as she got more into Bitcoin and how she became much more grounded. Lauren's energy is infectious. She's a tenacious former athlete who's reflected quite a bit about her own mortality, purpose, and life. I found her journey and the role of community particularly interesting as she's had many different experiences and careers. I hope you can better understand why community is important for values both in life and in Bitcoin. Lauren Siegman, how's everything going? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Where in the world are you right now? So right now I'm actually in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, that's where I'm from, but I, <laughs> I normally live in Los Angeles. Okay. And how are things over in both Nebraska and Los Angeles with respect to the lockdown and everything? Is everything opening up or what? You know, in Omaha right now, it's everything's pretty open. I would say in LA, it's a little bit more strict. I think they just put a mask mandate back on. And, you know, I'm not sure what the whole situation <laughs> is with the vaccine passports and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'm going to stay in Omaha as long as I can. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So, so you've had sort of like a really interesting life. If I understand, Stand correctly, your dad was a PGA on the PGA tour for a while. You yourself are an athlete and you're in the entertainment business. Can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you became sort of beach volleyball player? Yeah. So my dad did play in the PGA. He was quite the athlete. And I think that's where I got it from. I played, you know, I was a gymnast growing up. That was kind of my first like stint at, at athletics. And I think that's a great foundation. You know, you really get to you know, you develop flexibility, mobility, you know, everything. It's a really great foundation. And then I eventually got too tall, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm five, 10 and a half. So I got too tall. I had to quit that and I moved on to diving. So I got into, you know, that was a big goal of mine was to be in the Olympics for diving for a long time. And then one time I had an incident where I was doing like this double inward flip and I hit my toes on the board and I scraped mm -hmm. my toes, you know, down from my toes up to my shins. And after that, I was like, I'm going to find a another sport where, yeah, it was a little bit too much for me. So then I got into volleyball, I'd say probably around fifth, sixth grade. And I just fell in love with it. Mm. You know, it's, it's not contact sport like basketball is, you know, I would get if you put me in a contact sport, I get too aggressive. It's almost mm -hmm. too much for me. You have to put me more in a controlled setting. So volleyball was great. I was always actually really good. You know, I had really good athletic ability. And, you know, my goal was always to go to the University of Nebraska. That was my biggest thing growing up. And, mm -hmm. you know, eventually I earned a scholarship there. I went there. I graduated high school a semester early to go there. And, you know, when I got there, I actually was only there for a semester. <laughs> I left, <laughs> you know, it's crazy how things work out. I thought that's what I wanted my whole life. And I get there and, you know, it wasn't it. It just, it wasn't it. And that's okay. And for a long time, I think I had a hard time with that. And, mm. you know, being able to accept that that wasn't where my path was supposed to go. So, you know, the years to come after this, it was a lot of, you know, nothing was linear. It was a lot of trying to find my way and just really a journey. And so I ended up at USC and I wanted to play beach volleyball. Two of my heroes were Misty May Trainer and Carrie Walsh. And they were in the Olympics. Mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. I, I think I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when I went to USC, I wasn't eligible because of my transfer. And so I could just practice and I had a great time there. USC is an amazing school. You know, actually Misty May, she was a volunteer assistant coach for us, which was incredible because she was one of my heroes growing up. And, you know, I talked to her about how I eventually wanted to play pro and, you know, I was frustrated that I, you know, I couldn't compete. And, you know, when they would have competitions, I couldn't even be there. I had to just, you know, go do my own thing with the eligibility rules. And, you know, she said, you know what, you should just come train with my dad and I on the beach. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So I stopped playing for the team. You know, I was still in school. I drove out, you know, to Huntington Beach from downtown Los Angeles every day. And I trained with her and her dad, which was just the most incredible experience ever. And, you know, I ended up dropping out of school. I have four and a half classes 
classes left of college <laughs> and I haven't, <laughs> haven't, I was planning on finishing them during the pandemic. And then, you know, I got yeah. into Bitcoin and got into some film projects and, you know, that changed pretty quickly, but yeah. you know, it happened. So I, um, trained down there and, you know, I tried playing pro for a couple of years. I had you know done a lot of traveling. It was a great experience. And then I started having health problems and those started when I was around 20 years old and they just continued. It was something I was always battling when I played pro and I had no idea what was really going on. You know, I had these symptoms. I couldn't sleep well. I was always tired. And I mean, I just was always dehydrated. Like I just had some really bizarre symptoms and it was really weighing me down. And I think the, you know, having to deal with that and not understanding how to manage my symptoms, it, volleyball became very stressful, mm. very, very stressful. So I kind of lost, you know, the drive to keep going. And I wasn't really sure if it was my place anymore. Mm. So, you know, I ended up, I was really into fitness. So when I was at USC, I was, I studied biology. I studied, I got a minor in marketing. I actually got that part complete. <laughs> so I was really into fitness. So, you know, while I was playing pro, I had done a lot of, I kind of had some sponsorships with Whoop. That's one company that I worked with a lot. And so, you know, I was really into fitness and, you know, I had developed a lot of followers on Instagram. And so I just said, you know what, maybe fitness is where I want to go. So I slowly came out of that and I got into doing YouTube videos about fitness and nutrition. And I started, you know, posting a lot on social media and I ended up, get, you know, getting a manager or my volleyball manager at the time, he, you know, kind of helped me integrate into that space because he represents a lot of people in that area as well. And then I ended up getting more of a social media manager. And I started working with Awesomeness TV, which, you know, they work with a lot of social media influencers and whatnot. And I was kind of their first nutrition, fitness, you know, influencer that they were working with. And mm -hmm. I went down that hole for a while and my manager had me get into acting classes. And so you know, I started taking that. I had a horrible experience. I remember <laughs> my first class ever, I went and I had to do this scene. And it was my first time memorizing lines and, you know, doing all the the pre-work that goes into doing a scene. I mean, there's, when you learn about acting, there's so much that goes into it. It's not just memorize these lines and go up there. You know, you do a character breakdown, you do, uh, you know, a scene breakdown, you have to really dive into your character. So I was learning how to do all this work, which was, you know, really incredible to me. And and, but I had this partner who she was doing the scene with me and I don't know if she didn't like me or, you know, what the situation was, but, you know, she told me like, oh, you can wear like whatever you want to class. And, and I was like, oh, really, you know, really? Okay. So like for our scene, I could just wear, you know, like shorts and a t big t-shirt. And she was like, yeah, you don't have to do anything. So I go there to class to do our scene and she's all dressed up for her role and I'm just wearing comfy clothes. And I'm, and I did this scene <laughs> and our teacher ripped me apart. I mean, I, I'm a very tough person, but <laughs> I went to back to my car and I bawled my eyes out and I was like, I'm mm. never going to be an actor. Like, this is just horrible. You know, and I know I normally don't think that way. I'm a very tenacious person. I'm very stubborn. I work very hard. And when that happened, I was like, this is mortifying. I was just, <laughs> I did not, you know, I called my manager and I was like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what just happened. I just, you know, it was horrible. But you know, after that, I switched studios. I started studying acting for two years and I loved it. And I loved film. And, you know, I wish that I would have gotten into the film school at USC because, you know, I was there. They've got one of the greatest film schools. But, you know, at the time I had no idea. So, you know, I developed this love for film and I kind of had this vision for a while, you know, like, oh, I want to be an actor. Like, I want to be this famous actor and I want to be in, you know, I'm athletic. I want to be in Marvel films. And, you know, that started to be my goal is like, I want to be this big actor. And, you know, at this point in my life, I was still very stuck in this, you know, fiat mindset, very, you know, mm. materialism based. And, you know, mm. that's, that's kind of where I was at this point in my life. So I slowly started transitioning out from doing this fitness stuff. Stuff, mm -hmm. And I started getting more into film. So I, you know, I stopped working with this manager. I just started taking acting classes and, you know, I had a commercial, I had a commercial agent and I had been modeling a lot and mm -hmm. that was something I was doing on the side. It wasn't my passion, but you know, it helped. So um, mm -hmm. I was modeling and, you know, and I was still battling his health problems. I 
could not figure out what was going on. I was seeing so many doctors. I was going to, you know, the hospital at UCLA. I was, I mean, I was seeing everybody. I almost went to the Mayo Clinic to get, you know, get their opinion. My uncle, you know, is a doctor. I've been, you know, I was calling him all the time and we we're trying to, you know, do all this blood work to figure it out. And at this point we still, you know, didn't have anything figured out. So I think, you know, I was trying to study. I was really, I had these goals, but I felt so held back because if you don't have your health, I think, you know, health is, health is everything. So, you know, I took this time to really try and figure out my health and, you know, I was still studying, but it was hard. I was trying to work, you know, I was coaching volleyball, but I was having a hard time functioning and, and it really started to get to me. So my mental health started to deteriorate a little bit. And then, so about a couple years ago, I actually started to, you know, I actually started to figure out, you know, one of the main things was, and I had heavy metal poisoning, which, you know, at the time mm. I, th I thought that was absolutely insane. I thought it was just some like, you know, hippie, whatever, you know, I just did not think that was a thing. And I had blood tests done at an actual, you know, at an actual doctor and I had crazy levels of heavy metals. And so mm. I had to take two years of my life to go through chelation therapy to get rid of heavy metals. And, it was not a great experience. I was barely, you know, able to go work and make money. And, you know, my acting classes were very hard. I was always so tired. I'd have to, you know, during the day, I would just, I'd have to just sleep right before class. I mean, I was always taking naps. I just, you know, I was barely hanging on, honestly. And it was, mm. it, it just kind of got to be a lot. And so after about two years of going through this chelation therapy, you know, I was feeling a lot better, but something was still off. And I, you know, and that was very frustrating. Went to more doctors. We couldn't figure out why I was still having some problems. And so I got to a point where I just said, you know what, I'm going to have to move back to Nebraska and I'm going to have to figure out, you know, I've got to figure this out. Otherwise, you know, how am I going to live my life? And so I moved back to Nebraska about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing doctors and whatnot. And about this time, you know, my dad knew that I wanted to get into screenwriting and I didn't know that he was in Bitcoin since 2015. He, <laughs> um, I think how he got into it was he, he had watched, or he, I think he saw an episode of the real vision and mm -hmm. After that, he did his own research, and then he got into, I think it's the World Crypto Network. Is that where he, <laughs> he might have saw you yeah. in, in tone? So, mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, and he's a, it's really impressive to me because, you know, he's in his 60s, and a lot of people, I feel like in that generation, are a little bit more skeptical of Bitcoin. But, you know, he's a big independent thinker, and, and I think that's where I get it from. But he's the one, you know, I came home a couple years ago, and he said, you know, he knew I wanted to get into writing scripts. And he said, you should write a script about Satoshi Nakamoto. And I was like, who's that? <laughs> you know, and so he's like, it'd be a really good story, you know. And I read an article and kind of started talking about Bitcoin. And I mean, that's kind of how he got me into it was by, you know, mm -hmm. telling me it would be a make, make a great script. So, you know, he had me watch an episode on Real Vision. I think it was Jack Mahler's. He might have been one of the first people that I listened to speak about Bitcoin. Then it was you. And then it was you and Tone. And then I read the Bitcoin <laughs> Standard, Safedine's mm -hmm. book. And that's kind of how I got started. And, mm -hmm. you know, as I started diving in, you know, I was still having these health problems and I was, you know, really having a hard time mentally. And I was, you know, I was stuck in this, you know, for probably a year after I came back, I was stuck in this mindset. And I kept thinking, you know, it was a very high time preference mindset. I kept thinking, man, if, you know, I'm 20, well, at the time I was 25, almost 26. And I was thinking, if I don't get my health figured out in a year, you know, I'm going to go back to Los Angeles and, you know, it takes people years to break into the industry. And, you know, I just constantly was in this anxious mindset and I was thinking these irrational thoughts and things that didn't matter at the time, but there were things mm. that were so far ahead of me and out of my control. Mm. But I mean, it ate me alive for probably a year. I just was constantly thinking about these types of things. And, but as I started to read more about Bitcoin and really get into it, my mindset mm. started to change. I mean, I, instead of thinking that way, I started started thinking, you know, flipping that into, wow, like I have this great opportunity to be here. I can work here. I can get my health figured out. And then that way, you know, whenever I do go back or whenever I do pursue something, I'm going to be that much better. And I'm, I won't have this holding me back. And, you know, my mindset really started to shift as I got into Bitcoin and started to really understand it. You know, when I went through this, this all this health stuff and the treatments for it, you know, I gained a good amount of weight and for somebody who was in a very high time preference, you know, materialistic based career, like that was a lot for me to deal with at the time. Like I had a very hard time with that. Mm. But, you know, also as I started getting into Bitcoin, you know, 
I started to realize that there's no value and, you know, that it's not something to worry about that has no, you know, long-term mm-hmm. value. That's not something other people are putting value on. And so, yeah, I mean, really during this time of under, like getting to understand Bitcoin and getting into it, you know, it really, my mindset on things, it really started to change, which I thought was incredible. And yeah, actually this is really funny, but when I first started writing this script, I actually tweeted at you and I said, Hey, Jimmy song, I'm writing a screenplay on Bitcoin. Can I interview you? <laughs> and I knew I, you're impossible to get hold of. And I, and I knew I was never going to get a response, but I thought that was funny, <laughs> <laughs> but I tried. Apologies. <laughs> I, I, it's okay. No hurt feelings. Mm. So, you know, and as I got more into Bitcoin, I actually found out, you know, my health problems eventually um, found out I have like severe, severe allergies, like the worst allergies my allergist has ever seen. And that's why, and I have a cat. And so I was, you know, sleeping with my cat every night. And I mean, I'm allergic to everything. So I started on allergy shots and, you know, kind of changed my diet. I went carnivore for a while. And I know you're mm. big into carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it's made a difference. I've been able to manage my symptoms. And, you know, now I've integrated a little bit more of, I went keto for a little bit too. And then I've been integrating a little bit more like ancestral. I've added a little bit of raw honey and just simple things like that. And, mm. you know, that's been helping me kind of manage things. But you know, and then I got onto Bitcoin Clubhouse and, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to get into Bitcoin mm-hmm. Clubhouse. So I got in there and I met one of my best friends. Now, he, it's so funny. I met him through Bitcoin Clubhouse. His name's Rafi Moscow. And, mm. you know, when I started the screenplay, I, you know, I sent it to him. It's a whole, you know, 120 pages. He read the whole thing, gave me feedback, you know, and then I got to be friends with John Ficori through that. I sent him, you know, this long outline and he read it. And, you know, I've had conversations with him about it. It just, it started to really, once I got into the community, it really started to blow my mind how, if you want to put in the work and you really care about Bitcoin and you see the value others will want to help you. You know, I then had my friend Rafi who introduced me to Ben Prentice and, Mm. you know, I had this document where, you know, I thought I had proof of work all figured out. I thought I had private and public keys all figured out. And it was like a two page document. And no, I think it was longer than that actually. And, you know, Ben went back and forth on it with me for like three days and he just helped me until I understood it really on a cellular level. And, you know, the amount of time that he spent, you know, I wasn't paying him to do this, to help me. He just did it. And I just thought that I was blown away by that because, you know, in Hollywood and in different communities I've been in, it's every man for themselves. I wasn't used to that kind of generosity from people. And so I've just been absolutely blown away with the community. And, you know, I think it's everybody who just wants to help grow the network. Everyone loves Bitcoin, you know, and they want to do what they can to just help grow the network. So I thought that was awesome. I also emailed Peter McCormick because I was just trying to get any feedback I could. And, mm-hmm. you know, Peter responded to my email in less than 24 hours. And he said, hey, I'll be happy to talk to you on the phone about it. And I know he, he tweeted, you know, a couple of weeks ago about uh, how he, he he responds to all of his emails. And that's a true statement. Like, I can vouch for that. Like, he, I really appreciated that. And, you know, he actually gave me an idea to make a a Bitcoin documentary. And so at this point, you know, I was working on this Bitcoin screenplay and I had it pretty much done, the first draft done. And then, you know, I started thinking, well, you know, a documentary would be awesome. I've got a really good friend who I taught his daughter volleyball and he's a really, really good documentary maker. He's very accomplished in the area. His last documentary is called Beers of Joy. And, you know, I'm not a big person to alcohol. Like, I don't know anything about alcohol. I drink like once a year, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you watch his documentary and like, you want to care. It makes you want to care. It's really compelling. And there's a story behind it. And, you know, it's on Hulu and it's on Amazon Prime and it's on demand everywhere. And it actually had a theatrical release, which is pretty unheard of for a documentary. So, you know, I started like messaging him and texting him, be like, hey, we should make a Bitcoin documentary. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. at first he was like, oh yeah, like great idea. You know, and just kind of, uh-huh. I could tell he wasn't really in it. And I know he wasn't into yeah. Bitcoin or anything, but, you know, I'm a very tenacious person and I, I kept at him and I kept bringing it up to him and, you know, eventually 
I got him to agree to it. And I think it was maybe, you know, around the time of that whole Elon FUD that he started articles and he started reading about it and was like, wow, yeah, like, this is awesome. Like, let's make one. So, you know, I didn't give up on that. And, you know, now we're on, you know, we're, we're going full force at it and we're planning on making like this docu-series and, you know, making it the definitive Bitcoin docu-series. So, you mm. know, I just, so, you know, it gets me bullish because I just feel like, you know, there's so... There's just so much, you know, and I want, you know, I'm so passionate about it now and it's really changed my life. But, mm. and the, you know, the, the thing is, too, is like when I kind of went through all this and where I'm at now with, you know, with how Bitcoin has really changed my life, you know, in the past couple of years is that, you know, like I mentioned before that I wanted to be this actress and I wanted to be famous and I wanted to, you know, be in a Marvel film. And, you know, now <laughs> I feel like, you know, it was just ridiculous. And then I finally realized like that I'm just chasing straight materialism. Like mm. that is the most, you know, I really came to that realization. And, you know, now like, you know, my goals have completely changed ever since getting into Bitcoin and, you know, now I just want to make films and, you know, write films and produce films that are important and like, you know, can potentially, you know, like change, you know, the better course of humanity for, you know, the better. And, you know, Bitcoin is the biggest thing. Like I could write, you know, I'd want to do five projects on Bitcoin. Like I would, you know, it just, everything has really changed, you know, my values and mm. how I value my friendships, how I value my relationships, you know, what I want mm. in a career, like all of that. I mean, even just in the past year has just drastically changed. And, you know, I think that's what Bitcoin does for people. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like you covered a whole lot there and I have like so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the thing that really sort of stands out to me is, is early in your life, you're pursuing this dream of being in the Olympics, whether it's through gymnastics or diving or through beach volleyball or something like that. And in a sense, I think you came to the realization that there was something of a fiat mentality around, mm -hmm. that, right? Like, and as you've been talking about, there's that mentality sort of flipped in sort of the, this last year into something a lot more long term. Can you sort of describe that process? What was it that you think you were pursuing that you thought would be satisfying that you realize isn't anymore? Yeah, I would say I've got two examples. So the first one mm -hmm. is when I was playing sports and I first started mm -hmm. to realize that, you know, my, I've got health problems like this, me trying to be in the Olympics, like, you know, that's a great goal. And, you know, maybe if I kept going, I could do it, but you know, my health is going to deteriorate. I'm going to just mm -hmm. keep getting older. You know, when you get older, mm -hmm. your body deteriorates, but you know, and I think in terms of Bitcoin too, like it doesn't deteriorate with time. It gets better. And, mm. you know, I started to realize, I think that was a realization was just, you know, I don't think, you know, and for, for a long time, like I thought, Oh, I quit volleyball. Like that was, you know, I looked at myself as a failure, but like, I really don't think that's it at all. And I have a, another example. So, it's like this fear of failure. And I think, you know, John mm -hmm. Ficori mentioned it on a past episode about we're incentivized to have this fiat fear of failure. And, you know, mm -hmm. the past year, I really got trapped in that, you know, like I had mentioned how my thoughts of like, you know, what's going to happen in a year from now, if I can't get my health fixed, I started to be scared. And I started living every day in this mindset of I am afraid that if I can't get this figured out, you know, what's my life going to be? What am I going to do five years from now? You know, and then, I think, you know, and as an athlete, like we're, we learn to not live, you know, in this mindset of fear, you, you know, they say sports is 90% mental and 10%, you know, your skill. But if you have if that 90% is you being in fear, you're not going to get very far. And, mm. you know, I think there's a really a good quote that my acting teacher actually gave me. It's, it's Will Smith. He always talks about failing forward. And I mm. think, you know, when you're in this fiat mindset, you don't feel like you have room to fail forward. Like, you know, this past couple of years when I had this health problem, I didn't think I had room for error. I thought that, you know, if I couldn't get, I had this time frame in my head of if I can't get healthy in a year and I can't get back to LA, then I'm not going to, you know, I don't have room to go beyond a year of getting healthy, you know, but with Bitcoin, I think it encourages this, this failing forward aspect. Like you can go for it and you can fail and it's okay. And it makes you better. Mm. You know, every failure gives you momentum to go forward. And that's, you know, that's been the course of my life. Like, you know, volleyball got me, you know, even though I didn't get where I wanted to go with that, I failed forward. I gave it my best. I didn't, 
think about what if I don't make it to where mm-hmm. I want to go. I just did it. And, you know, it got to a certain point, you know, I got into the fitness stuff, you know, I failed forward on that. I'm not doing that to this day. You know, I, you know, I actually, back then I started a fitness program with plans and stuff and it didn't even go where I wanted it to go. I didn't even, you know, it, I had this big vision for it and it failed, you know, it, it went nowhere. And, I tried, but I failed at it, but that momentum put me into acting. And then, you know, so I I just think when you can get in this mindset of failing forward, you're really propelling yourself. And that's kind of like when Bitcoin made that switch for me mentally is, you know, I moved out of this. I have no room for error to like, bring it on. You know, I can, (laughs) I, you know, I can, I'll fail and I'll learn and I'll keep going forward. And you know, that's kind of like when I started making the most progress with my film project, I wasn't afraid to go reach out to people and talk to them and, you know, get feedback. And if they didn't respond or if, you know, whatever, like that's okay. And yeah, so I definitely think it's just like this living in fear. And I think what's scary too is like we are kind of incentivized before we're born to live a life in this fear mindset because of the way our financial system is. And unless you like get into sports or you learn how to, you know, or if Bitcoin's a standard, I think, you know, you have to learn how to get out of that mindset and it's not easy, (laughs) you know, Mm. it's really not easy at all. Mm. Yeah. And the thing that seems to be very different that you mentioned also is that in the fiat community, right? Like there's, uh, there's some sort of like, uh, you know, a lot of competition, right? People that don't want to help you. Um, yeah. And whereas in Bitcoin, you're getting a lot of help. You have a community. It's almost like in the fiat mentality is based on a zero sum game. And in something that's not fiat, that's more Bitcoin, it's a positive sum game. And you're finding that in this community. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm not sure, like, you know, Jack Mahler's talks a lot about like, how this is an open network. And maybe it's that, you know, I don't know if I can necessarily pinpoint what exactly it is, but, you know, I've read your book, you know, Mm -hmm. thank God for Bitcoin and, you know, Bitcoin, it incentivizes morality. And maybe it's this, Mm -hmm. you know, this, I think it's a combo of a lot of things. I think, you know, when you get into Bitcoin and you understand what the problem is and how, you know, this fiat culture is very every man for themselves, it's, you know, it's very, you know, very self you know, selfish driven. And I think once you get into Bitcoin and you understand, you know, how the financial system really works and how, you know, the the lower class, the middle class gets screwed over every time and the 1% thrives, like it just, I think we all have a collective value and mm-hmm. maybe that's why we're all so open to helping each other. And, and maybe it's this idea of this open network, you know, and how we're all additive to it. We're not subtract, you know, every adding another person in is not going to subtract from what you get from it. It's going to just add to it. And I think maybe that the nature of the network also drives this, you know, I'm not really sure. I don't think I have a, you know, a perfect answer to that question, but I think, you know, people, everyone just loves Bitcoin and we know that this is, you know, so huge for, you know, the course of humanity and we can all do it together and, you know, contribute how we can. Mm. Yeah, well, so tell me more about this community, because, you know, one of the things I am noticing in this cycle that's not that wasn't there the previous cycle or whatever, is that a lot more women like you are coming into the community. And I don't know if it's Clubhouse or something, but it's pretty noticeable when you go to conferences and stuff that used to be, you know, 95% male. Now it's like, not quite 95, but like, you know, 75, maybe 70% male. It's like, what was it for you that sort of brought you in? Yeah, I think, well, for me, honestly, it was the fact that how I've seen the financial system affect mm. my childhood. You know, like my dad, mm. he, you know, he, I, like we talked about, he played on the PGA. He was very successful mm. on the PGA tour, but, you know, he was heavily affected by the financial crisis in 2008. And, you know, mm. at that time I didn't understand what was happening or why, you know, I didn't mm. get, I honestly didn't understand the financial system, you know, until uh-huh. two and a half years ago. So mm. I think for when I realized, you know, how th- this system has affected my childhood. And I didn't even Mm. know at the time, 
you know, why, I think that's when, you know, I said, I want to be involved. And, you know, I was really sold on it. So mm. maybe it's just because, you know, women are now starting, I mean, maybe, you know, Bitcoin Twitter is huge. And now Clubhouse, it gives people the opportunity to learn about it. Whereas mm. before, you know, I only learned about it because of my dad, you know, and then, mm. and then I think I actually got onto Clubhouse first and then got into Bitcoin Twitter. So probably mm. with, you know, more social media, and it's been really welcoming for, you know, males and females. Mm. I would say probably that's, you know, I think women, you know, being able to experience that in their own lives, that's where you build this attachment to it. And then, you know, the community is very welcoming. And I think Clubhouse has played a really good role in that. Yeah. And it's obviously helping you, right? Like with this screenplay that you're putting together or documentary that you're putting together and, you know, getting feedback, getting people that want to help you that, you know, and encouraging you, giving you ideas, maybe, you know, cooperating with you. Like that seems to have affected you pretty greatly in your enthusiasm for Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. There's, I guess, a good comparison I could give is, you know, in Hollywood, it's a lot about, you know, what kind of accreditations you have, like how many films have you made? How many, you know, what's your status in Hollywood? And it's really hard to get people to respond or, you know, want to, you know, <laughs> we'll even give you the time of day. It's it's really hard. And it's really about, you know, these accreditations. And, you know, when you come to Bitcoin, you know, people just want to see hard work and that you have the right intentions. And, you know, if you show that you're willing to put in the work and to learn, people want to help. And mm -hmm. I think it's not about, you know, what degree you had in college or it's not about any of that. It's kind of about like, what's your proof of work? Like what, mm -hmm. show me that you're going to put in the work and that, you know, you're here for the right intentions and we'll help. And I think mm -hmm. that's what's awesome is, you know, none of that, those awards and, you know, anything like that matters in Bitcoin. Like, no, Bitcoin does not care. You know, it, it's what's your proof of work. And I think that's incredible. You don't really find that in any other space, really. I mean, I feel like this is a really unique community. And I mean, it's incredible, honestly. Yeah, it is interesting that there's more weight given to merit and hard work than, say, your past accomplishments. I mean, past accomplishments obviously still matter. But to a degree, like you're right, there is sort of like this thing where if you do a lot of work, and I featured articles from people I've never met or heard of until like I read that article or something like that, where they'll, you know, it's like clearer that they did a ton of work, research or whatever, and it's good stuff. So I'll feature it. It's surprising to me that that doesn't happen in other places like Hollywood. What is it about the fiat mentality that sort of prevents sort of recognizing merit or talent on its own terms? Yeah, I think it's just this value placed on, you know, materialism. I think, you mm -hmm. know, people, you know, I think it's where people place their value. And I mean, everybody that I've met in Hollywood, I've met some great people in the past couple of months, but everybody I've met has been, you know, that have been really good. I've built really good friendships and relationships with in Hollywood has been, you know, people that are Bitcoiners, you know, I've met them. Through the, <laughs> I'm serious. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, it, there's a common theme between, you know, all the people that I feel like really, you know, I can, you know, I could rave about all day. And, you know, I had another scenario where somebody that was helping me when I had health problems, she, she was kind of my mentor out in LA and like, we're very similar in our religious beliefs, our spiritual beliefs, like everything. She was just, you know, she was old, she was up in her fifties and she was just a really strong mentor to me. She had a lot of people in Hollywood that she knew. And we were actually writing, co-writing a, a script together. And it was based off a book. And it's on kind of a very strong, bold topic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and she was like, you know, if we write this, because she had seen my work, you know, I had sent her the work that I was doing on this Bitcoin screenplay that I've been writing. And so she's like, will you write this screenplay with me? And so I said, sure. So she had some connections in Hollywood. And she said, if we can get the screenplay done, I'm going to start talking to some people and we're going to get this produced. So, you know, I was writing the screenplay and about a week, this, this was in January of this year, a week after I finished the screenplay, she passed away. And oh. yeah, and it was really unexpected. She was hiking in Hawaii and mm -hmm. she broke her ankle and then she got put in a cast and she flew back from Hawaii to Los Angeles and she had a pulmonary embolism. And oh. she was in LA for a week before it happened. And I had, you know, sent her an email that, you know, we were talking the night before she passed and I'd, and then I didn't hear from her, you know, for a week and I was confused and I'd sent her this email right when I finished the script and I, you know, I told her I 
loved her and, you know, that I was mm-hmm. so excited. And, you know, then her assistant called me and said she had passed away and it was super unexpected. And so, you know, I was just, it was really hard. And, but, you know, I, I ended up meeting some people through her, you know, through Hollywood mm-hmm. and those people that I've met, you know, they're very high up in the industry and they're very successful. They've done years of incredible work and they could have easily, you know, turned me away or, you know, not want to give me a conversation, but because they knew what kind of person my friend was and, you know, they were very close. They're great people. They've, you know, I've had conversations with them, you know, I send an email and they call me, you know, there's just no like, oh, oh yeah, I'll be free in, you know, two and a half weeks. Like we can schedule something, you know, it's just like right then and there, like they'll call, there's no, there's no ego, you know? And I think that's, and that's like what I experience in the Bitcoin community is that people aren't like, oh yeah, I'll put you on my schedule for, you know, you know, it's just like, people are just there, you know, there's no, you know, having to put on this front. It's just, you know, I think it's either through people, you know, that have the similar values that's a great mm. community. And, you know, there's not, not everybody in Hollywood, I think is like that, you know, like, for example, my, fr- you know, these people that I've met through my friend, but I think it's aligning people either, you know, being aligned with people either religiously or spiritually or through Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you know, I can't really think of another, you know, I think those two things are really drivers of value, like, you know, your spiritual beliefs and, or your religious beliefs, if you're a Christian, that itself. And I think Bitcoin are the two things that, drive you to value the right things. I really can't think of, you know, other things that, yeah, I, I really can't. I feel like those, <laughs> they go pretty heavy. No, thank God for Bitcoin. Like they just go completely hand in hand. So mm. yeah. Yeah. There's something about uh, shared values that help you sort of like strengthen your own values and mm. recognize them for what they are and all of the benefits. And it seems that you've found that in Christianity and in Bitcoin. Those two seem to be the two places where you're finding this community. Yet, you know, in the fiat world, you're seeing a lot of that not happen where, you know, community isn't happening. And this seems to be, correct me if I'm wrong, something that you're very passionate about is bringing people together and having a community. And that seems to be why you wrote the screenplay and, you know, are working on this documentary and stuff. What is it about community and, you know, like connecting people that excites you? You know, that's a good question. I just feel like for my own journey, you know, I've had a lot of people along the way who have either, you know, really helped me when I needed it or they made it more difficult, you know, and being through that process, I want to be able to be that person that can help other people. And I think build it. I, that's what I think makes me so bullish on this Bitcoin community is just that it's a group of people who share the same value already. Mm-hmm. And we're working together to do the same thing. You know, we're trying mm-hmm. to just like, you know, Bitcoin is ensuring, you know, it's a basic human right for humanity. And like, we're working mm-hmm. together to do that and to make a positive change. And I think, yeah, I just think it's, you know, I've seen, you know, I've experienced, you know, the financial system and what it can do to, you know, people. And I just think, I just think people, I've been on both ends of the stick. I've had people just be not great and making my life more difficult and trying to, you know, people trying to break you down. And then I've had the opposite. And, you know, I want to contribute to that community. I, I think that's really important. And, you know, the human experience is not linear. Like there is so much struggle. There is so much up and down for growth in order to happen. And I think the biggest thing you can have is a great community along the way. And like COVID, for example, like why you started this podcast, like people, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. Like we're building a community of people, you know, through your podcast. It's, you know, we're on what, like maybe it's like the 45th or something. I can't remember, but that's 45 people in this community. You know, there's, mm-hmm. it's, I think that's important. I think that's how we, you know, together we, we get through this journey. Mm. Well, so I think a lot of people listening, and and this is something that like absolutely blows my mind sometimes, is that you know I've had Twitter polls and stuff where I'll ask like how many other Bitcoiners do you know? A lot of people will say zero. They literally don't know anybody. So, what's your suggestion for people that might be listening to this podcast? You know that are into Bitcoin and so on that want to get into a community of people that share values, what would you suggest? Like, how would you suggest that they, I don't know, get more support, I guess? (laughs) Yeah. You mean like more like in Bitcoin or just in general? Yeah. Yeah. In general too. Yeah. Okay. So I would say 
I mean, for me, like, you know, I've been in Omaha now for, you know, back and forth between Omaha and LA for the past two years. And so I didn't know any Bitcoiners here. I don't even know there's Bitcoin meetups, but there's Bitcoin meetups pretty much in every city. Mm. And, you know, I didn't know of anybody here. So I went to, I was on Clubhouse and I had somebody, you know, follow me from Clubhouse and he followed me on, on Instagram. And then I started looking at his pictures and I was like, whoa, he lives in Omaha, Nebraska. And then I oh. realized, oh, he went to a high school, you know, down the street mm. from where I lived. And, and then I saw we had mutual friends, you know, not Bitcoin or friends just from where I, you know, when I grew up. And so, you know, now, you know, he's a big Bitcoiner in, in Omaha. I, we were the same age, you know, we went to high school. Mm. So I didn't even know him until now. And then I met up with him in Bitcoin Miami. And then he introduced me to the, the meetups in, or in uh, Omaha. And so that's kind of how I started to meet people here. So I think, you know, maybe I think just getting involved, like getting involved, going to conferences if you can, going to, you know, getting on Clubhouse, getting on Bitcoin Twitter. I think just every little bit of contribution in the community like that, it, whether it's a tweet, whether it's something, building, you know, that, like that's kind of how I got into it. Mm. I would say Clubhouse was a good start, but, you know, and I think it's also just like, what do you really enjoy? Like, I think for the longest time, you know, like I said, like when I was little, like I was a gym rat, like I spent so many hours in the gym. I didn't care if people were out partying, you know, or doing whatever. Like I just, I was in my element, just being in the gym and working my butt off. Like that was great. And I think, you know, find what you're really passionate about and just be yourself and go for it and, you know, immerse yourself in that environment. If that's what you love to do. Just be you. I think that's so important is putting yourself, you know, being true to yourself and putting yourself in that environment because then you're going to meet people with like-minded you know, just people that are like-minded. And I think, you know, for a while, like when I was going through all of this, I started to, you know, I feel like I was not really, you know, wasn't really sure on like what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And that was kind of putting me in the wrong friend groups, especially out in LA. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was really getting in with the wrong groups and I didn't feel like myself. And, you know, once I got back into Bitcoin, I just felt like I was back in my element. Like I can just study Bitcoin all day and I can, you know, I just, <laughs> I don't have to go to a party and drink. I can just sit at home, you know, like mm -hmm. I felt like I could just be myself and be okay with that. And, you know, there's plenty of people. I think that's what's cool about the community. I feel like once you get into like, know what your passions are and, mm -hmm. Just be, yeah, I think that's my best advice is just be true to yourself and surround yourself with those people because, you know, that's how you meet people with the same values and the same interests. Yeah, it does seem like, you know, I don't know too much about Hollywood, but you mentioned like going to like having to go to those parties, being seen at the party with the right car or drinking, yep. <laughs> whatever. And you're mentioning how that's totally not you. There is sort of like a conformist element to a lot of communities that I don't think is really there in Bitcoin, is there? No, there's, it's really not. I mean, I think the Bitcoin community, it's such a wide range of people with a different, you know, outside of Bitcoin, they have so many different ranges of interests. And I think that's what's mm -hmm. awesome. But, you know, like when I was modeling and I was living in LA, it was like, oh, we have to go to this party to meet this client or we have to, you know, like I had, it was just like ridiculous. Like I just am so much happier <laughs> being at home or, you know, but like, like, yeah, it's like this, you have to conform. And I think that for a while, like being in LA and being in that environment, I just was like, this is not me. And I felt like I couldn't really be myself. And I, that's mm. when I really could tell that I was really being caught up in, you know, materialism. And I was really focused on that. But when I had a chance to kind of get away and be back in the Midwest and then, you know, getting into Bitcoin, you know, that's what really like shook me out of this mindset I was in, <laughs> you know, and yeah. And like, I had this experience where, you know, I had a lot of Instagram followers and I had that whole scenario I talked about, but then, mm -hmm. you know, right when I was focusing on my health and I was getting into Bitcoin, I ended up just like deactivating my account for like a year and I didn't even have social media. I had Twitter, but I never did anything on it. And I just like took the time to like, to do like a materialism detox. And I just got, <laughs> you know, I think social media can be great. You know, like I think Bitcoin Twitter is awesome. Like we're reaching out to audiences who might not, you know, be able to, you know, learn about Bitcoin anywhere else. But like, I think social media, like Instagram can be very toxic. You know, people are putting mm. on their best face. They're putting on, you know, it's a place where you can brag, but no one puts what's going on behind the scenes, you know, like nothing's ever mm -hmm. perfect. And I think for a while I felt like I was contributing, you know, I felt like I was guilty. Like I was just putting on, you know, 
these, the best photo I had or, you know, and I just felt like I needed a break from that. And so I ended up, you know, deleting it after a year, I got a new Instagram with, you know, just from like my friends and family and my Bitcoin friends now, and it just felt better, you know, and I think, Mm. yeah, I think that was a big experience for me as well is that's a, you know, very fiat mindset thing. I think it's, you know, this, you have to put on your best face, but that's not life. That's not the human experience. We all go through things, but you know, that's, you only see a glimpse of it on social media. And I think that's what, you know, is a big driver, you know, this day and age is there's just, uh, that's what you see every day as you scroll through your Instagram account or your, you know, I think Twitter is a little bit different, but you know, you see these pictures and you know, who's to say that they're not edited, you know, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm seeing this pattern with you where things have been moving from sort of like a more artificial, you know, having to conform to a particular standard that other people sort of define for you to something that's a little more real. Even in your screenplay, what went from a screenplay to a documentary, you know, that's going from something that's more, you know, controlled to something that's a little more telling the story of what actually is. There seems to be sort of like a greater respect for truth and wanting to tell true stories, not necessarily entertaining stories. Am I off base here? Is that something that you've been experiencing? No, that's totally right. And so, you know, I'm still working on the screenplay, Mm -hmm. but it is like, it's pretty much factual. You know, it's Mm -hmm. based on, I don't want to give too much away, but it's basically, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a factual story, but there's a little bit of fiction just to fill in the blanks, you know, to make it entertaining. But, you know, it's based on the facts. It's not meant to just, you know, it's meant to really shed light on Bitcoin and the truth of it. And yeah, like I'm definitely focused on more of the truth now. And, and with the documentary, you know, that's all truth. Like, and that's what Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is truth. Like there's nothing going around that. Like it it purely is truth. And, you know, it's going to, you know, once there becomes a Bitcoin standard, you know, that's going to just take away everything that's not and everything that's there, you know, behind the scenes is corrupt and people don't know about, you know, there's a lot of, you know, think about how long people go in their lives, not understanding how the financial system really works. Like that's a bunch, you know, that's a lie. We grow up thinking, you know, the government could never, you know, do that to us, but you know, it can, they really can. Mm. And learning about sort of like the truth and figuring out who's lying to you and who's trying to do that. It really does take sort of like a very particular type of community that's willing to, you know, support you and help you understand what's going on. And that seems to be something that you found. So, you know, just to sort of like wrap up a little bit, what in the end do you wish that a lot of people that maybe aren't into Bitcoin, like, what do you wish that they could really get about Bitcoin? What would really sort of like get them into this community and this respect for truth? I think what you were calling sort of like rejection of materialism. Yeah, I would say that. I would say more on like a technical basis. Like what also what kind of got me in was studying Austrian economics. You know, I think mm. just really understanding that, that is very mm. eye-opening. And I think that covers a lot of bases. But for me, it's like, you know, I've got a lot of friends from you know, before I got into Bitcoin that now they're really into XRP and constantly it's like, they're sending me these XRP videos and, you know, they're like, Oh, it's about to go up. And I'm like, you know, you just don't get it yet. You know? And I think the biggest thing for me is like, they shouldn't be looking at Bitcoin versus XRP and looking at it from an investment standpoint. Like, sure. That's a piece of it. You know, I I understand Mm -hmm. that, but like, it's so much deeper than that. Like this is sound, this could be the first sound, you know, money in the history of humanity. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is so much bigger than that. I think I would like people to, you know, dive into it a little bit more than just looking for at it from, oh, what's the price going to be in, you know, in a month, you know, like how much money can I make? And then, you know, if I put this much in, I think, you know, I would really like to see people, you know, dive in a little bit more, get into Austrian economics, learn a little bit more about, you know, you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. I still have friends, you know, that try and tell me to get into XRP, but they say, you know, Bitcoin is too expensive. I can't afford it. And it's like, you know, cover all your bases, really dive into these things and understand what the problem is. And I think then, you know, that's when it becomes clear that Bitcoin's the only solution. Mm. How many friends, just curious, like how many friends do you have that are into Bitcoin now that weren't into Bitcoin before? Hmm. How many friends? I would say I've got a, you know, not that many. I've tried. I've, I've actually got my brother into Bitcoin now. So if he mm. counts as a friend, that's one. <laughs> I'm working on my mom a little bit, so maybe that's like one and a half. But I've got. I'd say you know, 
probably just two. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, most of my friends are, you know, all into the altcoins that I've been trying to, you know, convince them. But yeah, it's a really low number. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> wish I could say something different, but that's the truth. <laughs> You got it in the last two years. I'm sure a lot of those friends will be back once uh, you know the price keeps soaring again. At least that's been my experience. But you know, you're not far, far off from my number either. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it does kind of get like that. All right. So tell us a little bit more about your documentary and then or, you know, other projects that you're working on. And yeah. Yeah. So I can't say too much, but right Mm -hmm. now where we're at, but, you know, we're working with some really good Bitcoiners. We're, you know, looking for it to be a, you know, a a docu-series. So mm-hmm. really just want to cover everything. And, you know, I'm really bullish on it. I think, you know, I've got a really good team. Um, the co-writer, you know, the other co-writer that I'm working with, he's actually been in Bitcoin for about a year now. So I'm lucky that I've got, you know, a team that really understands it. But, you know, we're looking to have really high distribution. It's going to be very high budget and you know, hopefully to get it on, you know, Netflix, HBO, you know, anything big. That's what we're going for. So hopefully, you know, in a month I can say more. But right now I'm kind of in a stage <laughs> where I can't give away too much. <laughs> Uh, any other projects you're working on? Um, just right now, you know, I'm kind of in this like, it's really complicated, but with this project that I was working on with my friend that passed away, I've been kind of in this trying to get the book rights because I can't do anything with it until I get the book rights. So I've been going, I mean, this has been months that I've been trying to get these book rights. So that's one project that I'm working on. We'll mm-hmm. see. It's all going to depend on that. And then this other Bitcoin screenplay, you know, it's a full length feature film that I've written. And I'm just, you know, right now I'm in the process of just, you know, sending it to producers and getting some feedback on it. So, you know, very mm-hmm. early stages, but yeah, but the documentary is the biggest one right now that I'm going to be focusing on just because, you know, the turnaround time for a documentary is a lot quicker than mm. a feature film. You know, I've got people, you know, that have produced some pretty big things. And, you know, they said sometimes, you know, from the moment you get it ready to produce, it could take six years. And, mm. you know, but documentaries, I was lucky with the timing with the with David Swift. He's the, the guy that I'm producing this Bitcoin docuseries with. You know, he was just finishing up his last project and he was mm. looking for the next one. So, you know, the timing, you know, I don't believe there's any accidents, you know, in life. And I believe the timing was perfect and where it needed to be. So that's going to be the focus the next, probably the next year. And then, you know, simultaneously, I'll work on getting the screenplay into production. But I want to be careful with it because, you know, I want to make sure, you know, Bitcoin stays, you know, shown in the right light and it doesn't get, you know, manipulated a little bit. Well, I think they have a great steward in you to make sure that that doesn't happen or the right thing happens and not the wrong thing. I've seen so many bad Bitcoin documentaries. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know. I was like, we're going to make this one right. You know, it's going to be done right. So, yeah. (laughs) So that's awesome. And I really wish you luck on making this happen. Where can people find you? Where can they contact you? You can find me on Instagram. I think my name on there is just like... The handle is Lauren and then E as an elephant and then Seekman. Or you can just find me on Twitter. I feel like that's where I spend the most of my time now. And my name on there is just my first and last name, Lauren Seekman. And my DMs mm. are open. So Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Yes. Thank you, Jimmy. Unchained Capital is a new sponsor of this podcast. I recently joined as an advisor on the engineering side. I know the team well, and I'm excited about what they are building. If you need multi-sig, collaborative custody, or a Bitcoin-native financial services partner, learn more at unchained.com. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Bitcoin Fixes This. Lauren Siekman can be found at at Lauren Siekman on Twitter at LaurenSiekman.com. Until next time, fiat the lendest.